We're going to read from Galatians chapter 2. So if you want to find your way there, if you're not used to finding your way around the Bible, then fear not. We'll give you a page number in a minute, and um, the words will be on the screen as well. Have you got a page number for us, Abby? Uh, 1169. 1169, if you're using one of these, but the words are on the screen as well. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running, and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Jesus Christ and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, that they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work with me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Great, thanks, Evan. Have a seat. So uh, we're in Galatians, and um, not just the adults are in Galatians, but actually this term, connect and thrive, uh, two youth groups that run on a Sunday morning are also in Galatians. We thought it was really great for them to look at this book together. Uh, We probably do it in slightly different ways to you doing here. I'm not aware you play many games as you look at it in here, but we try and do it in fun and interactive ways. And one of the great benefits of doing the same thing as is the youth leader here, what we want to do is try and encourage uh, parents to talk about faith at home. So we hope this might be a springboard for you to kind of process some of the stuff that we look at on a Sunday morning. So normally, we're in different groups, uh, but if you're a parent or carer here and you've brought a 10-year-old upwards, they'll be looking at the same passage to you. In fact, often, I speak to whoever's doing the preaching, and I say, have you got any great illustrations? What are your main points? What are you looking at? And so, so some of the things will be the same. So we hope it will kind of act as a springboard to help you talk about this stuff at home as well. This passage we've just read follows on 
from what Ellen was talking about last week. It's kind of known as the autobiographical, autobiographical, that word, you know what I mean? The <laughs> autobiographical, we're there, um, autobiographical part of the letter. It tells a bit of this guy Paul's story. And it, there's a reason why he tells the story as well. If you're uh, taking notes, sometimes it can be helpful to take notes. Or if you just want to know where we're going, here is where we're going. We're going to look at Paul's problem that he's addressing here. The reason why he takes this trip to Jerusalem that he talks about. Uh, we're going to look at some of the evidence in defense of Paul and his gospel that he is defending. Uh, we're going to hear the challenge that Paul brought to Peter to live in line with the gospel and then we're going to think, what are the implications for us 2,000 years later? Why is this bit of the Bible helpful for us now? I want to tell you about a leader that I met in the summer, a dynamic camp. Uh, he did one of the talks, and as part of one of the talks, he told his story. He grew up in the States, and uh, by the age of 14, he got in with the wrong crowd, and he got involved in drink, and he got involved in drugs. By the age of 16, he was living on the streets, he was kicked out, and he was addicted to drugs. He was in a desperately low place. His cousin was a Christian. Now, this guy was a great dancer, um, and so his cousin, who was a Christian, said to him, I'm touring with this dance company. Would you like to come with us? And he was desperate, and so he said yes, and he went on tour with this dance company. At one of the meetings they were at, someone told him the good news about Jesus that God loved him, that Jesus came to die for him, for all the wrong choices that he'd made, so that he didn't have to feel this sense of shame and guilt, and so that he could have a living relationship with the living God, because Jesus didn't just die, but rose again. And he was invited to surrender his life to Jesus, and he did that, and his life changed dramatically. He's now uh, clean from drink and drugs and has been for many years. He's now a youth leader, and he is passionate about telling other people about Jesus. Because he got into this uh, bad habits at kind of 14, 15, um, it meant he didn't complete much of his education at all. It meant when he arrived in this place, he wouldn't have been wearing respectable clothes. I wonder how you'd react if I were to say that having made a commitment to follow Jesus, we should have said he shouldn't really be included in the Christian community until he sorted out his education. Well, he shouldn't really be included as a real Christian until he sorted his clothes out. It might anger you. Maybe you would disagree with that. I certainly would. Now, Paul, in his letter, he has a problem that he's addressing. And it's not to do with clothes or education, but it is to do with certain patterns of behavior that are expected of God's people. There's a problem. Verse 4 says, false believers had infiltrated. They come in to the ranks of believers to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Well, how are they wanting to make them slaves? This was uh, so-called Jewish believers in Jesus had gone to people that weren't from a Jewish background. Well, they were trying to say that they had to keep some of the old laws from the first bit of the Bible. They were saying they needed to be circumcised, and they were saying there were certain things that they could and couldn't eat. Now, for Paul, this was a problem. They were adding something to the good news about Jesus. It was actually a bigger problem for Paul than it was for the people he went to see, people like Peter, Cephas, we think is another name for Peter, James and John, because that group were predominantly living and sharing the gospel among Jewish believers. And so it was just part of their culture that people were circumcised, we'll come to what that is in a moment, and dietary requirements. 
But for Paul, he was living in a con- context where this, this just wasn't done. And so for him, he came to the defense of his pure, simple gospel. Paul did not give in to this demand for one moment. He was committing to preserving the gospel without having extra things added to it. The simple gospel that we can put our trust in Jesus, God's son, as the one that died on the cross for our sin and rose again so that we can have a new life with God, so that we can have eternal life, that we can enjoy forgiveness and peace and joy and feel part of this global family. The simple good news. Paul was passionate about defending it. And you'll see this theme come up again and again as we look at this letter of Galatians. So he visited Jerusalem 14 years after his last visit. And this was part of his commitment to preserve the good news. If you're interested in exploring, uh, scholars think maybe there's two options of this. Maybe it was the end of Acts chapter 11 uh, when Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem. Or maybe it was part of the Jewish council, which is kind of this special meeting where they talk specifically about some of these issues and concluded that believers that weren't from a Jewish background didn't need to carry on keeping these laws and rules they were talking about. He took with him two people, Barnabas and Titus, as he presented the gospel that he'd been preaching to the leaders in Jerusalem. Paul was convinced and compelled that his gospel was true. That it was powerful and that it was relevant. Our memory verse helped us with this. This wasn't something he made up. It was something that he received from Jesus. And he was convinced and compelled that it was true. But he didn't want his work sharing this good news to be in vain. Like the other person at the other end of the cricket stumps who'd ran and got there, he didn't want the other guys not to make it, to kind of got off track and not made it through. The youth version of the Bible that we use with Connect and Thrive, verse 2, puts it like this. I did not want my past work and the work I'm now doing to be wasted. As well as dynamic, uh, we go on a camp, or we have, we've just finished going on a camp called Soul Survivor. And uh, it's, it's great, we have a great time, but there's, there's two moments in in the week, where it can become a little bit stressful. And that's day one, when we set up tents and marquees and all sorts of stuff uh, for the group, and day five, when we have to pack everything up. And a good year involves everyone mucking in, particularly when we get to a marquee. I have seen marquees take off and blow through car windows and seriously damage people, so it really does require teamwork. It involves everyone playing their part. And so you often lay the marquee out, you, you put it together with the help of the young people, and then you get to the moment where you need to lift the leg up, and you have one person on each of the six legs, and so one of the leaders normally counts down, right, and three to one, we're going to lift it up. And you go three, two, one, and you lift up, hoping that other people have joined in. And thankfully, this year, our group were really helpful. We had a great setup and a great set down. We had uh, loads of togs that you have to put on the marquee. It would take hours probably to put them all together and you give them out to the young people say can you help us can you do this and again thankfully this year I wasn't running in vain my work wasn't going to be wasted I wasn't going to be doing it all on my own everyone pulled their weight and we had a great time away but Paul's talking about running the race and he wanted the other leaders that he was going to see the other Christians to make sure they were on track too he knew that their endorsement as leaders in Jerusalem would be powerful And so he went to see them. 
I love a creative illustration, a memorable illustration. I was trying to think of a few. If you've been part of the church uh, for a while, you might remember a few of these. We, were, we couldn't quite remember always the point of them, but sometimes we remember the actual practical thing. I was talking about how uh, last year on Christmas Day, Ken got Chris Coote to come and play the piano uh, to help bring home a point. That was memorable. Uh, a few years ago, you might remember I brought my tortoise to church once. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Um, Ellen showed this great image recently of a river that went under a bridge. And then the river moved, but the bridge didn't, to help us think about how maybe our culture changed. Now, how we kind of share the gospel now. Do we still use the same bridge? Now, Paul brings a great illustration here. He brings a live illustration here. He brings with him Titus, a man who is a believer in Jesus, but from a Gentile background, which means he didn't have the same Jewish background. He wasn't used to the same Jewish laws. There was two main issues, as I mentioned, that Paul was kind of guarding against people adding to the simple gospel. And they were the idea that people had to be circumcised and people had to have dietary, follow certain dietary requirements, ways of eating. Circumcision was a procedure that Jewish boys had done normally at about eight days old, or if needed, if they joined the community later or they hadn't done it later as a man. You can read about it. In Genesis 17, it was part of God's agreement, his covenant with Abraham and his people, and was practiced by God's people and still is by many Jews today. Now, I wasn't going to explain in great detail what it means, particularly if you're one of the younger ones here and you don't know what it means. Let me tell you, it's a procedure for boys that takes place somewhere between the waist and the knees, and uh, you can have a chat with your parents about exactly what it involves (laughs) later. I did say I hope this series in Galatians would help you unpack things at home, but it was something that marked God's people as different. But Paul was convinced that this was not a requirement for following Jesus. I hope Titus understood that as a believer and a young leader, but here he was with Paul talking to the leaders. Uh, Maybe at moments, he was probably fairly confident that Paul had got this right, but there might have been moments where he covered himself like in a wall when someone's about to kick the football at them or crossed his legs. He was hoping that Paul had got this right, having arrived with him. The live illustration, Titus is there, and he's hoping that Paul had got it right, that he wasn't going to need to have any extra things done to him. He's the live illustration. That's the problem. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Let's look at some of the evidence in defense that Paul shares with this. The leaders in Jerusalem then, Firstly, verse 6 says that they added nothing to my message. Basically, they agreed. They didn't say, we're going to put in some extra requirements, some kind of small print details that weren't there before. They agreed with Paul that the revelation that he'd have from Jesus, that we can be forgiven by God's grace, by putting our trust in Jesus, was the simple good news of the gospel. They added nothing to it, firstly. And so we go back to our friend I was telling you about at the dynamic camp. The good news would be that we're not going to put in extra requirements that he needs to get his education level right until he can feel welcome here or needs to dress more like us until he can feel welcome here. They added nothing else. The good news is simple, and that was affirmed by the Jewish leaders. Secondly, they recognize Paul's role among the Gentiles and Peter's role among the Jews. Verse 7 talks about this. Um, On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, those who weren't from a Jewish background, because the gospel is for everyone. It's not just for people from a certain people group. Just as Peter 
had been to the circumcised. So they affirmed, they recognized, they endorsed Paul, not only his gospel, but his ministry that he was doing. It's good just to remind ourselves, just as Paul and Peter and the other leaders had very different roles in the people they were working with, that as a church here, uh, we have different roles. We find ourselves in different places tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout the week. We have different roles and we can know that God can use us in those roles in different ways. We don't all have to uh, do the same thing. We don't all have to live out our faith in exactly the same way. But actually God has personal missions for us, if you like, that just as God was using Paul in a particular way, he was using Peter and others in a particular way. Next, they recognized that it was God that was at work. Verse 8, for God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Notice this isn't just Paul's own effort. It's recognizing it's God's grace working through broken, normal people like Peter who denied his savior and Paul who previously was trying to persecute and kill the Christians. It's God's work through normal people. He offered the right hand of friendship. Verse 9, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumstance. This, is we, this was the acceptance and endorsement of Paul. And at the same time, it was also kind of a rejection of those that have been criticizing Paul and his gospel. And it carried great weight because it was from those who were the leaders in Jerusalem. I mentioned uh, that we went to Soul Survivor for the last time. Uh, now, one thing Soul Survivor did really well this year is they told us about some other great camps that are happening. And uh, we uh, announced uh, by a little parent message and been telling some of our young people this week that next year we're going to join in with a camp called DTI, uh, Dreaming the Impossible. It's run by the Vineyard Group of Movements. Looks like another great camp. It's five days in the summer holidays as well. But something that really carried weight about that camp was one of the main leaders at Soul Survivor, Mike Pilavachi, endorsed them. He said, they're our friends. They love Jesus. They want to serve the young people. We trust that they're going to teach from the Bible and they're going to care for the young people that come to this camp that's been running a few years and is going to grow because Soul Survivor is no longer. They, Mike Pilavachi, endorsed this camp. And so that carried some weight from us in a similar way that the leaders in Jerusalem were endorsing They were offering the right hand of friendship and saying, yeah, we're with Paul. We believe what he says. We recognize that God's at work through him, and we're offering him the right hand of friendship. They were coming to his defense, and they were endorsing him. And finally, it says in verse 10 that they were asked to remember the poor. Now, why is this partly in their defense? Well, because it's saying you're part of the big family here. You are our family. You live in a different area. You serve among different people group, but you are part of our family. You're one of us. We think that the Jewish community uh, were probably poorer than the Gentile Christian community. And so Paul was asked, with the people he, he led, to remember those who didn't have as much. And that's a good reminder for us. We live in an affluent area. We are an affluent church. And so together as a church and as individuals, we're reminded that we need to remember believers who don't have as much as us. We try and do that together in certain ways, like supporting several different mission organizations and having a disasters fund and a Christmas appeal that you'll hear about in coming months. 
But there's also a challenge for us individually. Are we kind of pulling our weight? Are we stepping up to that as well? But a strong defense from Paul from the accusations he's given, that were given against him, that the leaders in Jerusalem added nothing to his simple gospel. They recognized his role as well as Peter's role. They recognized it wasn't just Paul doing his own thing, but God was at work through him. They endorsed him by giving him the right hand of friendship, and they asked them to remember the poor. There was a challenge for Peter that was brought in our last few verses that we read together, and it was this, to act in line with the truth of the gospel, or to live it out. You're saying this stuff, are you practicing it? Let me read those verses to you, 11 to 14. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Peter was accepting, embracing the non-Jewish community. He was eating with them, a sign of fellowship and friendship and acceptance. And then some other Jews turned up and he backed away, and he backed away, and he went off just to be with the Jewish community. In school playgrounds, there's all sorts of different setups. Often, there's little groups. There's the sporty guys. There's the guys that think they're cool. There's the really clever kids, and there's loads of other groups as well. But it's a bit like this. Uh, say you think you're one of the sporty guys, and you love hanging out with all the athletic people, but you arrive at school, and, um, and none of them are there. You're there 20 minutes early and none of them are there, but all the, the, the clever group are there. And actually, you quite like some of the clever group. And so you go in amongst them and you talk to them. You have a great time and you realize, yeah, these guys are my friends. I can be friends with them. And then slowly, the sporty guys start trickling in and you look around your shoulder and you see them and they kind of be like, what are you doing? Hang out with them. And you slowly back off and you back off and you don't want to be seen with them. You're not being consistent. They're your friends, and now you're backing off and pretending you don't know them and don't want to be seen by them. That's kind of like what was happening here. Peter had embraced, to a certain extent, the non-Jewish community, but when the Jews showed up, he wasn't living it out. He wasn't acting in line with the gospel. Maybe there's a challenge there for us. We talk about wanting to love everyone, wanting to accept everyone if they're different to us, if they're not, and maybe there's a challenge about do we fully embrace fellow believers, if they're from a different background, if they're from a different culture, if they speak in a different way, if they like different things, or do we just want to love and care for those that are the same as us? There's a challenge there for us. Paul confronted Peter to his face because he wasn't living out this simple gospel. He wasn't living in line with the gospel. Finally then, a few implications for us. Are we adding anything to the gospel is there kind of some unsaid things in our church culture, in our own culture, in our family culture that are kind of added, that actually become a stumbling block, become something that stop people feeling welcome and embraced among us? The good news is simply this, that Jesus died for us and rose again so that we can have new life in him. When we turn from living our own way and put our trust in him, not because we've earned anything, but trusting in him by faith, then we can be followers of him. 
and part of his family. Do we add anything to that? There's one challenge for us. The second is to recognize that we all have different roles. Paul had a certain role. Peter had a certain role. In our evening service at the moment, uh, we're doing a series called Frontline Sundays, and we're thinking about the places we find ourselves in the week uh, that aren't in the church, but out and about among people that don't yet know Jesus. And there's a massive variety of us. We did this little exercise where we plotted where that place was for us. Here's some pictures. Uh, We gave people three maps to choose from. One was kind of the United Kingdom. Some of these people were just off to uni or work far away, or maybe they've got family or friends in different places. Here's where some of our people are represented. We did kind of a not quite such a wide area. So here's some people that don't work or live or have a front line directly in Chichester, but still a bit, bit broader. Someone's out in the ocean uh, enjoying a sail, maybe among friends and family, or working on ships. Uh, there's some in the Southampton area, Bognor, scattered around, but we just recognize we're in different roles. And finally, there's a smaller one of those would say our front lines in Chichester. Like Paul and Peter had a different role. We can recognize actually we have different roles and we can let our light shine and let the gospel be at work in our different places. Thirdly, we can celebrate that God is at work in us and through us already. Paul and Peter did very different things. Their expression of the gospel was was different. It was lived out in different ways. And we can recognize that in different roles we find ourselves on our front line, that God can be at work, that he wants to be at work through us broken people like Peter and Paul themselves were. And finally, maybe that last little bit about the school group and Paul eating with the Jews and then not challenges you. Maybe it jars with you. Are we living in line with the gospel. Paul had a problem. There was great evidence in his defense, and there's some really helpful implications for us here. I want to encourage you uh, to go on thinking about that. I'll leave it up for a minute if you want to take a little picture of what what does that mean. I want to encourage uh, you to talk about it uh, with each other, particularly if you're here with young people. As I say, one of the reasons we're doing this together is to help you talk about this kind of stuff at home as well.